WHHH-FM Indianapolis. It's time to take a look at what's going on in and around Indy. It's Open Lines, your eye on the community on High 96.3. Hold up. All right, mic check one, two, mic check one, two, okay. I'm sounding okay. Live here in the Hot 96.3 studios, I'm Cameron Riddle. Let's try Ebony. All right, I am back. Can you hear me better now? No, I don't hear you any better. There's uh, something else is um, going on that we are hearing you, but we'll get that fixed here in uh, just a moment. Not sure what that issue is, but that's... uh, coming from down there but we'll fix that here in a second nevertheless though ebony uh we've got a lot to talk about here on the show this morning uh we will be talking about proposition 237 which uh is talking about civilian oversight uh and putting police under the watch of uh civilians the general orders board uh, is something that has become a controversial topic. The police, uh, on one hand, want it. Others don't want it. Uh, but then again, on the other hand, there are people who are saying, we need this General Orders Board. We'll talk to some of those people. Uh, that'll be Pastor James Jackson, who is against Prop 237. And Jessica Louise from Indy 10 is standing by to tell us why Prop 237, this oversight board, is something that we need. All that and more coming up this morning. But Ebony, are you ready to get us caught up on the news this morning? Absolutely. Can you guys hear me? There we go. That sounds much, much better. All right, here we go. Here are this morning's headlines. For the second time in a week, an inmate at the Marion County Jail has died after apparently being assaulted by another inmate. According to a report from the Marion County Sheriff's Department, an inmate was found unresponsive early Saturday morning and pronounced dead a short time later. The Sheriff's Office said the cause of death appears to be an inmate-on-inmate stabbing with an improvised weapon. The victim has been identified as 51-year-old James Smith of Sullivan County. Deputies said Smith had been transferred to multiple housing locations for using racially charged language toward fellow inmates. At the time of his death, Smith had been assigned to a single cell. A new website will tell you how long the wait times are at Marion County polling places. IndyVoteTimes.org will show you wait times in real time. Marion County voters also can report wait times themselves after they vote by just logging in to the website. So far, more than 368,000 votes have already been cast in Indiana for the 2020 general election. As of the end of the day on Monday, 257,854 absentee ballots have been returned and 110,509 in-person votes had already been cast in the early election. That's a total of more than 368,000. Again, this is as of last Monday. That number today would be even higher. That number represents 13% of the total votes cast in all of the 2016 presidential election here in Indiana. That's behind those long lines you guys have been in. But moving on, for the first time, the Indiana State Department of Health reported more than 2,500 new COVID-19 cases. It is the second consecutive day that Indiana has set a new record for the most new cases reported. In numbers released Saturday, the State Health Department reported 2,521 new positive cases and 31 new deaths. The State Department of Health says the totals also reflect approximately 100 cases whose reporting was delayed due to a technical issue over the past few days. Since the pandemic has begun, there have been 145,977 positive cases in Indiana with over 3,000 deaths. In your forecast, clouds will fill the sky this Sunday. We'll start off uh, today Nice feeling like fall. We'll get up to a high of 63. Monday, though, will be cloudy and rainy. We'll start that day with temperatures as cold as in the 40s, only warming up to 51. Right now, it is 53 degrees in Indy. Ebony Prop 237. Yeah. Uh, It's been a controversial topic. I spent Mm -hmm. um, my first day back from vacation. I couldn't think of any better place to spend it than (laughs) at the city county building until 1230 uh, Tuesday morning as that vote was going on. Uh, Ebony, this is something that's been controversial. Um, 
because people just don't agree on should it even exist? Yeah, there has definitely been some controversy. You know what's interesting? You mentioned earlier what this is going to do. And Prop 237 is going to um, help to increase some civilian oversight of our local police department here in the city of Indianapolis. Um, and it's something that is not new to Indianapolis, um, when especially, not to Indianapolis, but nationwide, rather. It's something that groups have been calling for for decades to have more involvement. Um, but of course, like you said, there are people that that feel different ways. There are people that feel, you know, civilians don't lack, don't uh, don't have the information, don't have the background to be able to um, oversee police departments. Other people feel what they like in that experience. They show up for in their lived experience, having been members of the city to see what's going on. So it's going to be really, really interesting to see. Um, I read uh, another article about this topic nationwide and more than a dozen additional boards of this sort have been started just this year because you see the civil unrest, um, more attention paid to police brutality. And it's something that a lot of people are calling for. Um, but of course, like you mentioned, people feel differently so we want to hear what you all think as well in addition to our guests so that phone number to get on the air is 317-239-9696 once again that is 317-239-9696 and if you have never heard of prop 237 this is what happened the city county council voted to pass prop 237 on monday which is set to reshape impd's general orders board that's who kind of sets the department policy so per this new proposal, 237, which the city county council did pass, mm-hmm. the mayor just has to still, still sign it. The new general orders board will make up seven members. The proposal calls for the mayor and the council to appoint, to appoint four citizen members while the police chief and the officers appoint the other three. That alone mm-hmm. is a big issue. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned the people who... I don't really agree on this. Some of them are Pastor James Jackson. He is the pastor at Fervent Prayer Church and Jessica Louise of Indy 10. Both join us on the live line this morning. Pastor Jessica, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you both for starting Sunday early off with us. Um, Ebony, where, 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 which way do you want to go? Where do you want to start? So I think um, where I would like to start is just to maybe hear a little bit from each of you about your reason, um, Jessica, your reason for supporting um, Prop 237. You have been uh, very outspoken, uh, watched you at the city council meetings and things like that. Um, But then also to hear from uh, Pastor Jackson for his reasons for not um, supporting this proposal. So let's go ahead and get started with you, Jessica. Thank you, Ebony. So we've been laboring for things like uh, Prop 237 for a while now. Citizens deserve to have input when it comes to public safety. One of the council members said expertly that we need to put the public back in public safety, and it makes no sense for the police to have sole control of their department policies when their department policies can be enacted against the general public. It is encouraging that citizens and residents of Indianapolis will hold the majority in regards to future policies being passed. And this is just one of the many ways that we are going to push forward with defunding the police. All right. Thank you, Jessica. Pastor Jackson, what about you? Give us a little bit of insight into your position on uh, Proposal 237. Thank you, Ebony, and good morning to all of you. Proposition 237, I'm not opposed to civilian involvement. I'm opposed to uh, any legislation that usurps the authority of the chief of police. Um, This proposition pretty much does that. And uh, Chief Taylor, who is also a black chief, was working to build relationships in the community. And you need healthy public safety relationships among public safety partners and stakeholders in order to get to the place that you want to get to in public safety. Uh, This is an added layer of civilian oversight. Um, You all may already know that the Civilian Police Merit Board, which is the governing body for IMPD, is made up of seven members, and four of those members are people from the community. And you have... uh, three other members, one from the council and two from the police department. So that board, the 
which is also a civilian oversight board for IMPD that wields that wields extraordinary power, is an oversight board. So I'm not opposed to more civilian input. Um, proposal 237 gives civilians, with regard to general orders, more oversight than even the chief has. Uh, and as you uh, indicated, Ebony, this is being done throughout the country. It's being tried. In some cities, it's not working. Uh, in some cities, it's getting a little traction. We'll have to wait and see how that works for Indianapolis. Uh, Pastor Jackson, uh, some of the things you said on Twitter this week kind of echo uh, an email that I got. Um, I think it was uh, last Sunday night or early Monday morning ahead of the city council meeting, uh, pointing out that we are in month 10 of IMPD Chief Randall Taylor's tenure as the leader of this department, uh, a man who is, by the way, black. And what the email from Ramon said was, how dare we do this to a black chief? We say that we want more uh, people that look like us in places of power. And then they, Ramon believes that Prop 237 takes his power um, and we didn't even give this man a chance. And so uh, I don't know if, if he's directing that toward more the council or Mayor Hogshead himself, but I'm asking you because you echoed similar uh, statements on your Twitter this week. I think you said he was emasculated. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and if you go back to 2012 and those years where homicides were trending under 100 and community relationships um, were a lot better than they are now with regard to public safety. Uh, former Chief Height and others who were working in the community had great public safety rela- relationships. Proposal 237 in tandem with Pro- Proposal 235 were perceived as uh, both pieces of legislation working against the police, the local police. So what you're going to have to do now the community will have to try to do is rebuild those relationships with law enforcement professionals. Um, while at the same time, uh, our city is breaking records in homicides. What precipitated the 237 legislation is police action shooting and police brutality, which is uh, totally wrong. Uh, in America, you have over a thousand people get shot and killed by police every year. So that is a set of issues, and then you have the issue of gun violence and now knife violence, and you need community policing in the right way to deal with all those issues. Uh, Proposal 237, I am not 100% against it. What I am against, though, is how we got there. Uh, Mayor Hawkshead has enjoyed over 80% passing of legislation that he has put forth uh, since he has been mayor. And that means that he has had bipartisan support from both Democrats and Republicans. As I understand it, with Proposal 237, it was a rush legislation, um, and not all the counselors uh, were able to have an opportunity to even talk through what that legislation looks like before it was passed. And that creates problems in Indianapolis going forward in building long-term relationships that will help us to get to where we want to be, and that's to have a safe city, um, particularly in the black community, mm-hmm. uh, because the killings and all the things that we hear about disproportionately affects our people. And yes, we have a black chief, only the third one in the 200, almost 200-year 200 history of the police department, and just 10 months, he has not had the opportunity to build those relationships with COVID-19, um, all the social unrest that we had and all the tension uh, in that. He just hadn't had a chance to do that. And it is quite possible uh, going forward that he won't get the chance. Somebody will have to fall on the sword, if you will. I'm being cliche when I say that. It comes to all this crime, and I think it might be him. Now, just, yes, Jessica, Jessica you have— Yeah, go ahead. Jessica, uh, let me just jump to you real quick. Do you agree with that? Because, uh, for one, we didn't get to talk— 
uh, after that meeting because you were uh, <laughs> you have far more energy then than I'm sure you do now when you were uh, sent out the door late around twelve fifteen that night. But they kicked you... me out, Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yes, yes, they did. Um, Jessica was among uh, a few members of uh, Indy 10 and uh, people supporting 237 in a room filled with blue shirts that said fix 237. They were the members of IMPD and the Fraternal Order of Police who wanted changes to 237. So Jessica uh, got a little bit of attention before she was escorted out of the room. That said, Jessica, do you agree? You've asked Chief Taylor to wake up in so many words, do you think he's had enough time to do his job and, and fix what what is coming, what's facing the city right now? I think that if you are preparing yourself to be in a position of leadership, you need to prepare yourself for what comes with it. Um, we are of the understanding that the police are not a part of community. Our police officers do not live in our neighborhoods. They simply patrol, surveil, and arrest largely black and brown bodies. And so putting Chief Taylor in a position of power over this entity doesn't spell equity. It doesn't spell fairness. It doesn't spell transparency and accountability for our communities. He is simply the poster child for IMPD. It would not matter to me if Chief Taylor had intersecting identities where, you know, he was representing several marginalized communities in that position. He is simply a poster child, and he has shown time and time again that he is not committed to our communities. We met with him a few months ago um, after we um, persuaded Indy Pride to divest from IMPD, and he uh, had a very thinly veiled threat for us, asking if we wanted him to bring back water hoses and dogs as we protest. He has allowed Mikhail Rose's killers to return to work. He is still shielding DeJour Mercer, who killed Dre Jean Reed on May 6, 2020. He has allowed Stephen Scott to return to work, who said over Dre Jean's dead body, looks like it's going to be a dead, looks like it's going to be a closed casket, homie. So forgive me if I am not sympathetic to Chief Taylor's particular plight. I simply hope that if he uh, reaches heaven and the ancestors greet him, that they recognize him because he's unrecognizable to me. Quick question for both of you. Uh, thank you both for sharing on that point. Do you think it is at all possible that Prop 237 um, should, you know, Mayor Hawk said, go ahead and sign it and we move on. Do you think that it's at all possible that this could help improve relations between the community and IMPD with the community having such, you know, a majority seat at the table? I'm looking at it as a completely different um, arm of accountability. And so accountability doesn't necessarily have to be rooted in relationship. Transparency doesn't have to be rooted in relationship. We need to hold our public elected, publicly elected officials accountable for what they say they are going to do. And if they don't, then we need to return that power to residents, which is what's happening. I'm not interested in improving relations between IMPD and the general public. We called for that to be done six and a half, seven years ago, and they have run away from all of our suggestions. And so here we are. It may seem rushed to people who have not followed the plight of IMPD with the community. It may seem rushed for people who have not followed the very intentional work of Indy 10 Black Lives Matter, but this was an intentional move and something that that we have labored for long. Also, let's be clear, <laughs> we are still under Prosecutor Hogsett, and so the likelihood of him appointing anybody who is going to be in true power to that general orders board is low. It's just a And you know, step. and that's something that um, when you look at this situation nationwide, that is one of the biggest things is you know, you can't just do it. It's about the intentionality behind it and the people that are chosen. So I would hope that there would be some accountability on that as well. Um, Pastor Jackson, did you have a response to that as far as how this could improve relations or accountability moving forward? Well, it's both and. Um, you, you have to have healthy community relationships to get to where you want to be. I don't disagree that there needs to be accountability. Um, I think people don't know. You can't hold people accountable if you don't if they don't know what's expected of them. Um, so I'm not opposed to having input on that general orders board, but the way that it has been done, 
I think will hamstring trying to develop community relationships that are healthy um, to, to get us to a point where we have a safe city. Indianapolis is a three out of 100 for a safe city in America, 100 being the safest. And how do you get from a three to 20 to 50 to 100% safe city? You can't do that without building relationships. So, you know, it, we'll have to wait and see. It depends on who gets on that board. Well, Pastor and Jackson, it, let me ask you, what does it take for you to be in support of 237? Um, I think, you know, I'm, I'm a leadership guy. I believe in leadership. Everything rises and falls uh, on leadership. Um, I don't disagree with Jessica with regard to making sure you have the right leaders in place and holding them accountable. I think it takes three to five years to turn uh, situations around in any organization. Can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you. That's some background going on there. Um, And I I, I think the chief uh, of police, who is Chief Taylor at this point, at the helm of um, public safety, to still have the authority that he needs um, and representing and clearly representing our community is important. And when you have that, you can have healthy relationships, I think, going forward. It's going to take a long time to get where you want to be. I don't think uh, Proposition 237 helps us get there. And again, in tandem, you have Proposition 235, uh, where people were encouraged to vote no to um, provide money for the police department to function. So when you have a proposition on the one hand that says take away the authority of the chief, and then you have another proposition on the other hand that says defund the police, how do you build a relationship in the community with that? Uh, Community policing is important. All the studies that I've looked at, and I'm open to looking at looking at more models where it has worked. In Camden, New Jersey, uh, they defunded the police. In fact, not only defunded, but they deleted the police and then rehired them as civil uh, workers, and they busted the union. Today, they re- reunionized, and they're spending more money in public safety than they did before they got rid of the police. So everybody wants the same thing. It's just how you get there, and you don't get to where you want to be um, without making sure you have healthy relationships on the way. At this point, um, Jessica, I think you just, you know, you kind of just summed it up that you don't foresee anybody from Indy 10 getting a spot on any of these, uh, on this oversight board. Who would you like to see on the board? (laughs) Well, we're actually, um, prohibited from participating in the general orders board because we are currently in a lawsuit with IMPD through Mm -hmm. ACLU for use of tear gas. So that's not something that we ever anticipated. We weren't pushing for this so that we could be put into positions of power. We pushed for it so that community could be put into positions of power. Um, Ultimately, I think that it should be people who are well-versed in community, who have a standing in their community, who listen to their community members, and who should operate, again, as a publicly elected official. People who have relationships with their neighbors. People who understand how the police force works and how when proper policy are put into place, the residents benefit. Um, It doesn't necessarily have to be someone who is a student of abolition, but I think it should be someone who is open to what that looks like. And ultimately, isn't that something that we want? As we are reimagining a new world, I'm not sure why we are insistent on on these people and this entity continuing to have a place with us. If you look at the suburbs and you look at the outer lying cities, the police presence and response in those cities is much lower than it is within the city. Why is that not something that we want for our children? Why is that not something that we labor for? It is antithetical to our blackness and our ancestral lines and our heritage to say that we want these former slave catchers to be a part of the new world. I want my nieces and my nephews to grow up in schools where they don't have to have access to metal detectors. I want to be able to walk down the street without seeing patrol cars and without the threat of violence against my black life. And with the police 
in place, that's not something that should happen. So I'd be interested in seeing community members and residents who have a full, comprehensive, robust understanding of what it's going to take for those department policies and procedures to be completely overhauled and so that we can continue to just reimagine a world without police. All right, Ebony. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll give it to you to, to wrap it up. Yeah, well, I want to just say thank you to both of you um, for participating and being a part of this conversation this morning. Um, it is a very polarizing topic, as we can see. Um, it got, you know, majority vote on the council, but of course not everybody um, was in support of it. And right now we see people in our own community being on opposite sides of that coin um, as well. So I just want to say thank you to both of you. Um, for participating. What are your words to, um, you know, any last thoughts that you have for the community as we move forward when it comes to um, holding police accountable and just keeping this conversation going? Any last thoughts anyone want to share? Sure. I would just encourage people and remind people that a better world is possible and that we don't have to live under the threat of violence, surveillance, and incarceration to fix our needs. Community knows what community needs, and we have a historical track record of responding to each other. And so instead of us pouring hundreds of millions of dollars into this entity who largely depends on the surveillance capture and incarceration of our our people in order to operate. Let's continue to be creative and reimagine ways that we can involve ourselves and rely less on this particular group. Thank you, Pastor Jackson. Anything else to share before we go ahead and wrap it up? You know, I would say uh, for anybody who might uh, be listening, who might end up on that board, just to prepare themselves um, to represent the community in the right way. And not only that, but uh, going forward, and I tell people this all, all the time, public safety was God's idea. And um, to say that we can live in a world without police would be wonderful. And I don't think as black people that uh, the police are at the crux of our problem. Uh, we all need to hold ourselves accountable. We need to look after our families. Uh, we need to make sure that we're doing everything that we need to do to be spiritually formed so that there is not a need for police presence in our communities. Um, when you look at uh, what's going on in our communities now, it, it is heartbreaking. And the numbers uh, that are mounting up for uh, black folks killing black folks that have nothing to do with the police is an issue that we must address also. Pastor James Jackson of Fervent Prayer Church, I'm sure you've got services probably online going on this morning. Yes. All right. Thank you for carving out uh, part of your Sunday morning to spend with us. And Jessica, we got a week of action coming. What are we doing? You know, Cameron, you never know when you might have to wake up for Black Lives. So just keep your tennis shoes by the front door. Some 5 a.m. drive-bys. All right. Thank you, guys. James Jackson and Jessica Louise. Thank you so much. All right, plenty more to talk about here on the Open Line Show on a Sunday morning. Now we want to hear from you. We've heard from Pastor Jackson. We've heard from Indy Tins, Jessica Louise. What is it that you think about uh, the need for police oversight, civilian oversight over the police? Give us a call, 317-239-9696. Also, while you're there, uh, if there's anything that the city needs to know about that needs a little light shined on it, the perfect number to call is 317-239-9696. We want to hear about what's happening, where you are, and what we need to be paying attention to. And when we come back, Ebony and I will uh, get you updated on early voting information. I voted already. And the vote lines are waiting for you today. We got a lot to vote for and a lot more to talk about when the Open Line Show continues on 106.7 WTLC and Hot 96.3. We want to hear from you, your thoughts, your views, your voice. We are your eye on the community. It's Open Lines on Hot 96.3 keeping you connected to what's happening in our city. It's Open Lines on High 96.3.
What up, Naptown? This your boy, Ricky Smiley, man. Check it out, and you're listening to Open Minds with Cameron Riddle and Ebony Chappelle. And good Sunday morning to you, Indianapolis. I am Indy's newsman. In the Hot 96.3 studio, I'm Cameron Riddle, fresh back from vacation and uh, ready to start a new week. Ebony, how you doing? I am doing fantastic. Happy to have you back. Happy to be back. I'm trying to embrace the fall. Uh, I'm a summertime baby, so this time of year is a little rough transition for me, but we're going to work it out. Well, you better get ready because it's coming. It's going to be in the 40s tomorrow, cold and rainy. That's the perfect day Mm -hmm. to stay in the house and do absolutely nothing. But, Ebony, Mm -hmm. I cannot encourage people (laughs) to do nothing because we got to vote. We do. We have to vote. And right now, it is early voting season. Um, So many different options coming soon but right now the city county building is the place to be until october 24th last sunday cam uh when you were away we heard from sister linda lewis everett and um city councilor duke oliver who are doing a program along with um dr clyde posley called souls to the polls and every weekend leading up to the election they are going to be picking people up from uh six different locations Uh, excuse me, five different church locations in the city and then driving them to the city county building to vote. Um, So grateful for the community gathering to create this option for people. Um, But if you need a ride and you want more information on that, they have two phone numbers for you to call 317-821-7539 or 802-951-4157. We also have this information on our website, but they are picking up from five area churches in the city, taking you to the city county building to vote and then taking you back to that location. So you don't have to worry about parking down there or any of that. Um, So it is a great option for you. And as you heard, record numbers uh, are being uh, taken down there at the city county building. I voted on Friday. It took me exactly 90 minutes. I went uh, with my wife at 430 uh, and of course, the line closes at five. So I cast my ballot as probably about six o'clock sharp because I walked out of the city county building at six oh four. You heard us talk about it at the top of the show. There is a new website that tells you uh, exactly how long the lines are for voting. And that new website is IndieVoteTimes.org. Check that out before you go. And you can early vote today. You can vote at the city county building until five o'clock. That is the weekend time. We Days You can vote from 8 a.m. until 5 p.m. And then starting on October 26th, you will be able to vote uh, early from 8 a.m. until 7 p.m. And then each weekend after that, the city county voting will be open from 10 a.m. until 5. And then on election, the day before Election Day, uh, it is open just until noon. Early voting has to end at noon the day before Election Day. And on the 24th, you will have more options to go vote. You can go to Cranert Park, St. Luke's UMC, the Warren Township Government Center, the Perry Township Government Center, and then the Metropolitan School District of Lauren Township Administration Building. Remember, every voter must wear a mask and bring either a valid ID uh, and that is a driver's license or state-issued ID. We had a lot yeah. to talk about, Ebony. Absolutely, absolutely. We just heard from Pastor James Jackson of Fervent Prayer Church alongside Jessica, excuse me, Jessica Louise of Indy 10 discussing Proposal 237, um, which is set to reshape IMPD's General Orders Board and give more civilian oversight. Um, there are going to be seven people that are going to make up um, this group, four of them appointed by the mayor and the council, citizen members, and the police chief and the officers being able to appoint the other three. So a very enlightening conversation Um Two opposite sides of the situation, um, agreeing and disagreeing that this is the right move for our city. Well, we've got a lot of phone calls. Uh, Folks have been standing by wanting to get in on this conversation. Call us 317-239-9696 or tweet us at Open Line Show. Talk about uh, 237 when you call or anything else that we need to be made aware of. It's a perfect uh, hotline to get our attention. Ebony did a great job the other week that I caught on the way to the airport was your uh, um, reporting on the uh, issue over at Pike Township Schools. Oh, yeah. So that Thank starts you. with people calling to let us know uh, what's going on. Let's yeah. do that right now. 317-239-9696. We go to the phone lines. Caller on line one. Good morning. You're live on the hey, air. Hey, how you doing? Ebony and hey. Hello. Hey, um. <laughs> I went to the bodega the other day and got my good old uh, cappuccino. So uh, 
hope to see you down there again one day. Um, Have you I'm tried the turkey very, ribs yet? Oh, I tasted them the other day. They were excellent. Wonderful. They're excellent. Uh, I'm going to be very brief here because you know what I've, I've went at, uh, Pastor Jackson and uh, Charles Harrison on Twitter all week. I find him and Charles Harrison disingenuous. Uh, here are people, well, Charles Harrison specifically, who walked with Mike Pence and Donald Trump on 29th and Luther King, okay, with Curtis Hill some years ago, got $500,000 from the state, from the taxpayer, supposedly, for crime prevention. He gave Pastor James Jackson a fervent prayer, because there's two James Jackson people. So I want to make sure we're clear. Pastor James Jackson, a fervent prayer, got 50000 of that $500,000 from the Attorney General Curtis Hill, uh, Republican operatives. They sound like they've seen those conservative Republican tropes. Black people are no more violent or no more uh, deadlier than white people. I don't want to hear it. It sounds pitiful. Jessica was right on point. And I, I, I'll leave you with this. I was reading Malcolm X's The Ballot and the Bullet speech, uh, April 12, 1964, which he gave in Detroit. And he was applying it to comedians and entertainers, and that was about Ice Cube while I was reading it. And he said, show me in the white community where a singer is a white leader or a dancer or a trumpet player is a white leader. These aren't leaders. These are puppets and clowns that have been set up over the black community by the white community and have been made celebrities. And usually they say exactly what they know the white man wants to hear. That's what James Jackson sounds like and Charles Harrison to me and to many others. There's no polarizing issue here. Black people know what the deal is. These are people who are down with Rick Snyder, the FOP, and white conservatives, and they say exactly what the white man wants to hear. Jessica, keep doing what you're doing. I'm going to keep blasting them and exposing them because the people deserve to have liberty and freedom and say so in what goes on with the people. Thank you. Thanks, Imhotep. Imhotep, thank you very much. We got a tweet coming in, a couple of tweets coming in from Big Sid listening uh, and tweeting us uh, saying, I was um, listening. The pastor kept talking about investing in those community relationships with us and police. Uh, asks, why not invest in the community? Why not reduce crime by increasing positive opportunities for the youth? Big Sid goes on to say in another tweet, the pastor kept talking about, quote, our black chief this, quote, our black chief that. Our black chief is talking, is taking orders white men from white men on policing black communities. The conversation was about Prop 237. All he could do was shield Chief Taylor. That's from Big Sid listening to us this morning mm, and thanks, chiming Big in Sid. on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, more phone calls, 317-239-9696. Caller on line two. Good morning. You're live on the air. Uh, Larry Bond, please. Good morning, Larry. You know, this is one of the most jams I've ever seen. You have to look at the legislative uh, history of this. This is part of Hometown Matters. In 1997, they stripped the uh, chief of the Indianapolis Police Department of any power whatsoever. This uh, proposal just ratifies that. The way it works is, Cameron and Ebony, the legislature makes up statutes, right? And the, and the uh, towns and cities ratify those by their proposals, and uh, then they become law and useful. But the thing about it is, the only thing this is doing, it's not got anything to do with boards or anything else. It is to, uh, like the, another proposal, 112, which I argue against, and the proposal 83 that came through the council, right, when Maggie Lewis was president. What it does is it shifts. The uh, law enforcement here in town, it shifts it to a situation where they have to have money to spend on pharmaceuticals. So what this is, you see the uh, new jail. You see the assessment center out front. They have that. It used to be the Rubin Center, but they stripped them. There was an argument over who's going to sell the dope. I argued that dope takes all the money. That's what it's going to end up doing. And so, Larry, thinking, I'm trying to understand the connection between I, I this civilian oversight and then who's going to sell the pharmaceuticals. Let, let me yeah. explain. Okay. Let me explain. They have to have this proposal because nobody has really read the text of the proposal. I have. And it allows them to use public safety money. The public safety budget, $700 million, right? They want that budget. They want to be able to legally do it. They want to transfer those funds so they can use chemical restraints and keep our problem at large here in the city. When you go on the assessment center, 
that sounds like pharmaceuticals. That's what they do. And I think that it's, an, it's a shame for uh, people to go down to city council and act like they're going to get some kind of justice. People need to stop following whims and look at the legislature background and see where the money's going. This has nothing to do with setting up any board. It's a sham board. Uh, the police have to have the authority to, uh, to, to kill. That's part of our covenant with society. If we lose that, we don't have anything. I don't want little dudes to be coming out to enforce the law. I want somebody that's been trained. The, the IMPD is not that bad. I support them, and I hope that they continue. But uh, Sheriff, uh, the, the uh, police chief right now has no authority statutorily. But now when they ratify this, uh, ratify that statute, then he is officially stripped of his authority, and he becomes a ceremonial chief. And all the chiefs that follow after him will be strictly ceremonial. So we need to stop attacking each other, black people, because we're going to get nothing until we uh, start understanding where we exist in this city. Thank you for your call, Larry. Thank you for your call. More calls. Go to caller on line three. Good morning. You're live on the Open Line Show. Who's this? Greetings. How you guys doing this morning? What's up, Paul? Ain't nothing happening. I I tell you, this, this is such a great show. I'm, I'm going to get right to it, throw some other get in. Appreciate it. Uh, the one brother that started off early when he was talking about the money and these churches and these coalitions and different things, I would really like to know what these people are doing with this money that the mayor uh, is just now giving these different organizations. And I also wanted to point out something. I'm, I'm assuming that the two people guests that was on this morning were black. Yes. And this this is what causes separation. See, we're not coming together, and with um, with this situation comes down to this. You have uh, police officers shooting people in the back uh, for fleeing, traffic violations, we won't obey, and these types of things. These are not crimes. And and, uh, and so one of my thoughts, if I was on that board, uh, if you got two police officers in a car, only one of them need to have a weapon. The other one can use a stun gun or whatever and to approach. Uh, there's different types of ways to govern without uh, this Nazi-type um, uh, arm that they're, that they're uh, leading with, this fear and force. Uh, I've actually been in a meeting with Randall Taylor uh, a few years back trying to get some things uh, happening down there at the jail so some folks can come out with jobs and all these sorts of things. Uh, I do believe he does want change, uh, and change is going to have to come, and we're going to need this board, and we're going to need these the folk on there that's not a part of the program. We need people in there that's going to say this and going to say that. We need solutions, and we need deadline dates on when certain things are supposed to occur. Uh, and I want to point out this last thing for all the black people that are listening right now. Those ancestors, those people they murdered, robbed, raped, etc., those were our people. Those were our families. And this is what has to be restored in the respirations. And after the respirations, we definitely, definitely need to govern not only the police department, but the government itself, because they are the ones that are, are uh, issuing uh, these, these orders, this money. And, and speaking of money. I met a young woman that son was killed. She's now has a, a ministry uh, that she goes out. But when I was actually speaking with this woman, she was more, her attitude was more, uh, she was glad that it happened in order for her to be where she is now in the community. And that's a big problem uh, with these organizations paying the, or the police department or the government paying these people for killing our children. And the police officers, if it's not a bank robbery or a shootout and uh, something like that, and these police officers kill somebody over traffic or anything, they need to go to jail immediately, immediately, and not uh, to have the protection uh, that the law provides for them to kill us. All right. So, thank you, Paul. Uh, hopefully we can, we can all come together and not these organizations. We need to stop this organizational stuff. And we need to come together as one. That's the only way we're going to accomplish or achieve anything. You guys have a great day. You too. And I'm going to enjoy the rest of the show. Thank you, Thank you.
317-239-9696. That's the number to get on the air. Or, Ebony, you can they tweet can us. They can tweet us. Yes, you can tweet us at Open Line Show um, on Twitter, yeah, to get your message in if our phone lines are full, which they typically are. <laughs> uh, lots of calls coming in. The phones are still ringing. Talking about Prop 237 or really anything else that you uh, want to make us aware of. Again, we've got early voting going on, souls to the polls, uh, a number of different things. If there's something we need to pay attention to, give us a call, 317-239-9696. Let's go to the phones online. One, caller, good morning. Who's this? Good morning. Good morning. Who's this? Turn your radio down for me. Good morning. This is Terry. Hi, Terry. What's up? Hi. Um, well, this is a good one. First of all, I have to admit, I have never been involved with politics simply because when I was 11 years old, my mother uh, was associated with, with lawyers and judges and different things, okay? So it was nothing to hear them argue and go back and forth in my home, okay? I asked my mom one time, I said, why did they, what are they arguing about? They would get loud, heated, and whatever. And my mother told me then when I was 11 years old, she said, they all lied and they all crooked. Okay. With that being said, that stuck with me. As you know, a lot of things you hear as a child or go through as a child sticks with, sticks with you through life. I have never been involved in politics. I took my mother. My mother made me go vote when I turned 18. It was the first time I voted. Then I didn't vote again until Obama went. I voted twice. You know, when he went in, went in. That was it. I'm going to vote now because I cannot stand Trump for a lot of reasons. Now, with that being said, when people like me, where we try to urge people to register to vote, and you hear conversations like this that are going on right now, this is a lot of the reason why people don't get involved. Now, when the, the Pastor Jackson spoke and when the lady spoke, okay, this is how I feel about that. When Pat, he said that, unfortunately, he said that he didn't have time. He's only been in there 10 months, so he hasn't had time to build. My uncle died of Corona. He didn't have time to prepare for Corona, but he's dead now. There's nothing else you can do about it. My uncle, my friend, my neighbor, my mentor, a lot of my best friends. If, like Jessica said, you got to come prepared. There's no luxury in leadership. Sign up, be ready, or don't sign up, take the job. It's just that simple. I don't support Mayor Taylor. I'm excuse me, I don't support Chief Randall Taylor because I know for a fact he lied when it came to the Dijon situation he lied and so did the mayor and once a liar like my mother told me when i was a child now people keep, i'm just keeping it real they both lied okay you got murders still unsolved today you got people killing people and yes i will give them that it is a separate issue as far as blacks killing blacks but it's also a major problem when you still don't do nothing about it he wasn't ready he don't have the help so why not get somebody on the board to help him he needs all the help he can get now when the other uh, was in there. The one that used to say, see, see some, say some, see some, say some. I saw some, said some, they did nothing. Long story short, you do have good pigs and you got bad pigs. But just like she also said, that black person stood over that child and said, well, homie, I guess you won't have an open cake, uh, casket. And then when pastor said, uh, because a black police chief in charge, so he's black and he's doing nothing. If we could vote to get him out, I'd vote to get him out. Long story short, we need help. What's in place is not working. Thank you for the opportunity. Everybody be blessed. Stay safe. Thanks, Terry. Thank, Thank you, you for your call. Terry. Um, Ebony, we've got, yeah. uh, it is 8.54, so we got to wrap up in mm -hmm. the next two minutes. Um, a lot to, to, to digest. The, again, the mayor has not quite signed Prop 237, but if you got to see any of the press conference on Tuesday, myself, as well as reporters over at Fox 59, uh, Courtney Crown, who's the sweetest person ever, and uh, and our, our our boy Darius at Fox 59 were uh, some of the members of the local press interviewing the mayor, the police chief, and the council president about the crime. And we were pretty tough on the mayor. Um, one of the questions that I had asked was, uh, Mayor, who does the buck stop with? You know, we you you're supporting uh, this general orders board, which, OK, that's fine. But you made the decision to get rid of the public safety director. So because you said you wanted 
you were going to be in charge. Now, with all of that said, these this number of crime that we have escalating, I've got the council president, Vaposli here, uh, the chief of police and the mayor. Mayor, who does the buck stop with? Who is in charge and responsible for combating this crime? And it got a little contentious in this in this thing because we're just trying to get answers. And the mayor said, you know, uh, the buck stops with me. Ultimately, it stops with the mayor. So he took ownership of that. So I just I bring that up to say uh, when we look for um, who's supposed to be doing what the mayor out of his own mouth says, Cameron, it's me. Yeah. And, you know, it's one of those things we've talked about it over and over again about holding our elected officials accountable. We are in election season, so voting is definitely one step in the right direction. But staying on top of these people to make sure that they're doing exactly what it is that they said they were going to do. And if they're not doing it, to definitely raise some noise. I was going to say something else, but to raise some noise and let them know um, what it is that you feel most definitely. Um, It looks, it appears that proposal 237 is going to go through. Um, The mayor seems to be very much in support of it as a step in the right direction um, from his words about ensuring the trust between the community and police. So it's something that we will continue to watch and see how it all plays out and bring the news to you right here over the air. And as I asked the mayor on that Tuesday, the day after 237 was passed, I said, Mayor, will you take another look at this? There were a lot of amendments made last night. And he said, you know, I was watching uh, all of it last night and there were a lot of amendments. So I can't tell you right now what uh, what could be changed. But he says he is committed to taking another close look at it before he signs it. If he does sign it, that general orders board will come to life uh, after the first of the new year. Plenty more to talk about. We'll continue this conversation next Sunday, Ebony. The show, also, if you missed it, is online, right? Yes, you can catch us uh, anywhere you listen to podcasts, also on our website. And be sure to follow us on social at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Open Line Show to keep up with everything that we have going on for you all. For Ebony Chappelle, I'm Indy's newsman, Cameron Riddle. We are back here, same time, same stations, next Sunday morning, live at 8. Have a great one, y'all. Peace.